Welcome, 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 and welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, and we had a busy week slash weekend in sports. Uh, you had the uh, Michael Jordan doc, you had the draft, you had NFL free agency moves, or NFL moves, transactions, and we'll talk about it. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being here, and let's just start off with the draft. Of course, the biggest buildup of the draft is... Who's going to go number one? Who's going to go number two? Who's your team going to pick? One thing that the draft shows year after year is the teams tell you what direction they're trying to go in. Or if they even have a direction in the first place. You know, you, it tells you if, if the team wants to go run happy. It tells you if the team is satisfied with what they have. It, the draft does not fail to let you know where your team is and how your team feels about its current position in the NFL. And this draft was no different. Of course, you have all these people that, or, or you know, all these networks and stuff that want to do graph or draft grades. I'm not going to do that. I don't feel like going through all 32 teams and like giving them a grade. That's just not what I'm about to do. But I'm going to give you five winners and five losers. Now, all my winners, I don't think they particularly like are the best teams, of course, but I do think that they did their they modeled their draft exactly what they wanted and exactly what they needed, and they attacked that position or they attacked that their needs. The losers, I don't think some of the people, <laughs> at least one team, one team on the losers lost the draft, but we'll talk about it. So I'm going to go one winner, one loser, and I'm going to do five five of each. So I'm going to do ten all together, I guess. Let's start off with the first winner, the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins didn't want to say they were tanking. In fact, all season they were talking about, no, we're not tanking. We're, we're trying to put the best formula out or best team out there. We're trying to win at all costs. That is not the case at all. Last year, Miami was tanking. And I liked their coach, Brian Flores. I liked, you know, some of the pieces they had. It's just they didn't have a quarterback and there was – they, they needed a lot of help, and I feel like they addressed that with Tua Tagovailoa at, I think, the fifth overall pick. And it kind of scared me because, and I, I believe it was smokescreen, well, at least I hoped it was smokescreen, and thank God it was. A lot of people were saying that the Dolphins were going to pick Justin Herbert over Tua Tagovailoa, and don't get me wrong, I'm an Oregon fan. You know, I love Oregon, but, <laughs> and, and I say that to say, I watched Justin Herbert extensively last year and then I saw what Tua did even with injuries Tua is better than uh Justin Ty oh Justin Ty <laughs> Justin Herbert so I'm just I'm so glad that they went with Tua they addressed defensive knees they addressed offensive knees they they addressed all the knees now no I don't think that they'll be prime to start winning next year but with the AFC East you know with Tom Brady leaving it's, it's pretty much wide open. You know, the Dolphins, they made moves that will make them better in the present and in the future. And I think that that's the best kind of moves that you can make. It's just not, okay, we're only planning for the future, but we're going we're gonna to sacrifice our now. Or, 
we're planning for the now and sacrifice or worried about the future when we get there. I think that Miami addressed all that. On the flip side, the first loser is the Packers. Now, I don't think they particularly lost the draft, but like I said before, teams tell you, teams show you exactly what direction they want to be in or if they're happy with the direction they're in now with the draft. The Packers were were game away from the Super Bowl. Yes, Aaron Rodgers didn't have the best year that he's had, but of course you have a new coach, new offensive system. They're learning it together. But again, even in that, you were a game away from the Super Bowl. Your defense, I feel <laughs> you had defensive needs. You had offensive. You had offensive uh, line needs. You had definitely uh, wide receiver needs. Though the one thing I don't think you needed to worry about was the quarterback. You have Aaron Rodgers. While Aaron Rodgers might not be a top five quarterback right now, he's definitely still one of the most gifted quarterbacks we've ever seen in the league. Not to mention, you were a game away from the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and with Adam or Aaron Jones, with all that. And you go, not, there were 35 wide receivers picked. I think the, the biggest need that the, that they, uh, the biggest need that the Packers needed was a wide receiver. There were 35 wide receivers drafted this year. The Packers picked not one. And on top of that, you move up. You, you, you trade up and your first pick be Jordan Love, quarterback. When you have Aaron Rodgers, who can give you at least a prime, uh, at least a good four, maybe five years left. And at that point, you can, I get you worrying about the future. I get you planning on the future. Of course, it's smart. I get you don't really have a heir apparent behind Aaron Rodgers. But when you were a game away from the Super Bowl and you still have Aaron Rodgers playing at a high level and you know that your biggest needs are wide receiver and defense, why would your first pick, after trading up, by the way, why would your first pick be a quarterback? Who, by the way, won't be playing for, for well, we don't think we'll be playing for, for at least three, maybe four years. So it's like, I don't think that was the smartest decision. Do I think that they lost the draft completely? No. I think that they still made some solid picks. They still made some solid defensive picks. But when one of your most glaring weaknesses was deep, was wide receiver, especially if De- Devontae Adams isn't, isn't uh, if Devontae Adams is not playing well or, or hurt, they're pretty much screwed when it comes to wide receivers. So the fact that you, you shouldn't even... Didn't even get a tight end, and it's just it's just a lot, you know what I'm saying? And I, I don't think that they they really capitalized on what what their needs were. But on the flip side of that, another winner were the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens is a stack team. The Baltimore Ravens they don't really have any weaknesses. They have wide receivers. They have tight ends. They have, of course, the quarterback. They have the offensive and defensive line. They have the defensive backs. They don't really have a weakness. So what they did were, was they strengthened their they strengthened themselves. You know they got a wide they got um, 
the running back from Ohio State. I think J.K. Dobbins, I believe. They got T. Hickens. They got so many good players. It's like, you know, they just strengthened themselves to the point where if any of those players hit, they they could easily say that they won the draft. Again, they don't when you're when you're a team like the Ravens who don't need much, but when you when you need some fine tuning but you don't need any work, that is a good thing. And and they they fine tuned and they have they fine tuned with some really good players. So there's that's another winner, which are the Ravens. Go back to the loser side, you have Look, I understand that last year the Eagles dealt with a lot of injury. Carson Wentz was injured. Pretty much their whole offensive line was injured. Pretty much their whole wide receiver core was injured. Pretty much their whole defense was injured. They all were injured. Now, I know you have Marquise Goodwin. I know that you, uh, you got him this year. I know you have Deshaun Jackson coming back. I know you have some pieces. But to me... I don't. I get that you don't really have a backup quarterback, but I don't understand why. With your second pick, I believe you draft Jalen Hurts after giving a twenty-five. I believe it's twenty-five. Twenty-five-year-old Carson Wentz an extension that's worth, I believe, five years, and next year will be the first year, or first or second year that you're in it. So Jalen Hurts probably won't be playing. Of course, unless barring injury, knock on wood, he won't be playing for at least four years. So why not address some of your needs? Why not address the offensive line? Why not address some of the defense that left? You know, you you need a safety. You need a corner. Why not address that? You address a position that you could, not to mention, I think that wherever they, like, I believe that Jalen Hurts probably would have been there in the third or fourth round where they could have got him. But they got him in the, in the I think, the second round. And it's with their second pick when they still had a, sa- they needed a safety. They needed a cornerback. They needed a defensive tight end. I mean, defensive tight end. Defensive end. They needed so many positions. Yeah, you have, you know, Dallas Goddard. You have, uh, so, uh, I forgot homeboy's name, the tight end. But you don't need a quarterback. It's like this. I, you, do, you do need a backup quarterback. Everybody needs a backup quarterback. I get that. But why would you draft a quarterback so high after paying Carson Wentz an extension, one of the, most, one of the, mo, one of the highest extension or one of the most wealthiest extensions in NFL history at the time, why would you do that and then just a year later draft a quarterback so high? Like that doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. Um but hey, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I guess that kind of goes to I guess I can kind of move over to another winner, which is the Dallas Cowboys. I think that the while the NFC East, you know what? I'm going to go to two winners, the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. I'm a Redskins fan. We all know this. Um, and year after year, I've been disappointed after draft. I've been disappointed after draft. It's like we didn't address this. We didn't address that. We addressed so much. And I think that one thing that we needed was we needed a wide receiver. We got Antonio, uh, what's it, 
Grandy Golden. We got him. He's from, I believe, Liberty. That's a pretty good pick for where we were. We needed, it's like, one reason why I said the Cowboys and the Redskins one is, at their positions, the Redskins were drafting at second, and the Cowboys were drafting at 17th, I believe. You can either go with team needs or the best player. And I think both times, teams went with the best players. The Cowboys do not need CeeDee Lamb. Or if they do need a quarterback, I mean, they, if they do need a wide receiver, they don't need him in the first round. But they, they, they lost a lot of defense, and they, need, they needed to address the defense, like, head on. So at, 15, at 17, you don't need CeeDee Lamb. But CeeDee Lamb was the best player in their eyes. There was the best player still left on the board. With the Redskins, their defense wasn't the problem last year. The problem was their defense was on the on the field so much, they were tired. Like their defense, especially the front the front line of the defense, wasn't the problem. However, when you're drafting number two, it's kind of hard not to go with Chase Young. Chase Young was, I believe, the only player in this year's draft with a perfect rating. Was you know, he's a, he's the only player that you can kind of, barring injury, of course, which I, I don't wish injury on anybody. He's the one player that looks like he is, his capability, his ceiling could be, or his, his heights could be Hall of Fame. He looks like the most NFL-ready player. So... While the Redskins might have needed, they might they might have needed a wide receiver more. They might have needed a a, uh, a a a tight end a little more than an edge rusher. But you have the number two overall pick, so you go with the best pick, and I'm not mad at that. Like I said, the, the Redskins addressed almost everything they needed. They needed a wide receiver, so they got Antonio. They needed a tight end. And it was good that they, they got Thaddeus Moss. Now, I don't know how Thaddeus Moss would be. And they got him. They didn't draft him, but he was picked up as one of the free agents or undrafted free agents. So we'll see how that goes. But Thaddeus Moss is a, is a big body that can catch the ball. So, you know, we'll see and integrate him. We didn't really need a, wide, a running back. But what we needed to do was address the offensive line, which we did. That was we had uh, Shaquid, I think. Shaquid Charles from LSU. We got Keith is, uh, Ishmael, um, and I think that's it. But we also did lose Trent Williams. And I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, of course you don't want to see a player like that leave, but with everything that's gone, gone around, um, Trent Williams, you know, the, the team trainer, and I want to, you know, demanding trades that. And so I'm just glad it's over. You know, I, I'm not saying, like, good riddance or anything. Shouts out to Trent Williams. Do what you got to do. He was traded to the 40, no, yeah, 49ers. So, shouts out to you. But I'm just glad that the Redskins addressed their, addressed their needs. And the Cowboys, they got the best player at their position. They got one of the best uh, running backs in the draft. Now you have CeeDee Lamb. You have um, Amari Cooper. And you have uh, what's Homie's name? Ah, oh, dang it! Uh, uh, I forgot. I forgot the other wide receiver's name. But 
that is that that's uh Michael Gallup. You got Michael Gallup. Those are those are gonna be that that's gonna be a hard trio to stop, especially with Ezekiel Elliott at the running back. So, you know, the Redskins and the Ravens, or no, the Redskins and the Dallas were big winners to me in the draft, which just strengthens the NFC East. While the Eagles and and the Giants might not have failed so, fared so well. So we'll see how it goes moving forward. Another loser, however, were the Bears. I don't know in what I don't know what direction the Bears are going in. At this present at this current moment, the Bears have ten. Not not wide receivers, not running backs, not defensive linemen. They have ten tight ends. You know, <laughs> Ten. Not to mention, this is after signing Jimmy Graham this year and still drafting a tight end. Look, I remember when the Khalil Mack trade happened. I was like, yo, the the Ra- Raiders got fleeced. You know, they, not only do you have Khalil Mack, you have all these picks. They've turned. Now, of course, they haven't just picked tight ends, but you have t- 10 tight ends. What direction are you going? Are you are you going to be a run first defense? I mean, are you going to be a run a run happy offense? If you're going to be a run happy offense, you shouldn't. I don't know why you have so much faith in Mr. Bisky. Are you going to be a pass first offense? If you're going to be a pass first offense, why do you have ten tight ends when Mr. Bisky isn't really a mobile quarterback? He can run, but he's not like a Lamar Jackson. He's not like a Patrick Mahomes. Hell, he's not even like a like a Carson Wentz. So why do you have ten tight ends? If you want to be a defensive first, a defensive first team or defensive oriented team, why do you draft majority offensive players when you should focus on the defense? While the defense is still good, why not focus on that? If you want to be an offensive oriented team, why is Mr. Trubisky your quarterback? And if <laughs> when you have someone like Cam Newton still out there, and why do you draft ten tight ends? It's like I don't think that the the Bears might know where they're going, but it, as from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like they do. It doesn't look like the Bears have direction at all of what they want to do. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the direction. And, of course, maybe it's not for me to know. Like, I'm just a fan. But it's just like when I'm looking and I see 10 tight ends, I don't see 10 wide receivers. I don't see 10 running backs. I don't see 10 deep defensive ends. I don't see 10 offensive linemen. I don't see 10 defensive linemen. I see 10 tight ends after paying Jimmy Graham as much as you paid him this offseason I just don't understand where you're going and that just kind of doubles down in the draft it's like I even after the draft like I said teams show you what direction they're moving in and what direction they're trying to go in or or or, or if they're good of their if they're happy with where they're at the Bears didn't show any of that. I don't know what the Bears like. I don't know what the Bears want. Like, you know, it just I just don't I just don't know. So that's to me, to me, that's another loser because the Bears, you I just don't know where they're going. And moving over to a winner side, the Colts. This go the Colts, I think they won the draft because they were really they got everybody they wanted. And they addressed every need. That they had their their problems. The Colts won the draft because not just the draft picks they have or the draft picks that they picked, but because 
of their offseason. You lose a first-round pick, but you lose a first-round pick to get DeForest Buckner, who is better than pretty much anybody you get in the first round at where you were. So you get DeForest Buckner, you address the defense. You get Phillip Rivers. While Phillip Rivers is not a long-term, long-term solution, he will at least be a one-year solution, and then you'll figure it out. But then you get Jacob Eason this year in the draft. Well, I don't know how, you know, the Jacob Easton ceiling, you have somebody that's pretty much playing behind not just Phillip Rivers, but Jacoby Brissett. You needed to address the wide receiver position. You have Michael Pittman Jr. from South Carolina, who's a great, great player. You wanted to, you wanted to address the running backs position. You got, to me, arguably the best running back in the draft, Jonathan Taylor from uh, Wisconsin. That is a good pick. You address the defense again. You got Julian Blackman from Utah, which is really good. And and you address the offensive line with Danny Printer. Uh Pinter. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't I've never seen a team that to me hit on every spot that they needed. And they hit with a really good player. Now, no, I don't know how good Pittman or Taylor or Blackman. Or Eason. I don't know how good any of those would be, but I do know that they were really good in college. And if they pan out to be what they're projected to be, then the Colts have no problem at least being in contention moving forward. I don't know about next year, of course. And of course, I don't think that Phillip Rivers can lead you to a Super Bowl because he hasn't done it when he was younger. He's not doing it now. But I do think that they addressed a lot of their needs. So... That, to me, is my last winner in the Colts. And my last loser in terms of teams, and I think this, they had the biggest loss. <laughs> I think they lost the draft. Quiet as it's kept. The Patriots, look, I don't know if the Patriots are tanking. I don't know if the Patriots are, I don't know what the Patriots are doing. I know the Patriots lost Tom Brady. We'll talk about it a little bit, but the Patriots lost Robert Gronkowski. The Patriots lost so many defensive players. The, the, the Patriots... What, what was the biggest problem with the Patriots last year? Quarterback and wide receiver. They didn't address either of them in the, in the draft. They pretty much... Now, I know they lost a lot of players defensively. But they went defense heavy. I think almost all their draft picks were defensive defensive players. And then when Bill Belichick says, oh, it wasn't in the cards for us to get a quarterback, you could have drafted up. You could have got a Jalen Hurts. You could have got a, I don't know, a Jacob Easton. You could have got a uh, Jake Fromm from Georgia. There were so many people you could have got. But you didn't get any. So now a lot of people are speculating, and I, I don't know, but it, it does look like they might be trying to tank for maybe Trevor Lawrence next year. I don't know. Maybe Justin Fields. But if we're just talking about this draft, the Patriots did the absolute worst job in this draft. It's like you didn't you, you lost you lost Brady. You lost a lot of defensive players, and you didn't really address any of them. So I don't. No, don't get me wrong. You address the defense. The defense you address really well. Really, really well. 
But your offense is going to be garbage next year. You didn't even get a I – I think they got maybe one wide receiver, if that. But I know they went defense heavy like they usually do. But they usually have Tom Brady. They don't have Tom Brady. So now I guess Stidham is the dude, man, I, I guess, you know. <laughs> I don't – I don't – yeah. And one thing I want to talk about before we move off the draft um, – is ESPN. It's the way that they handled the virtual draft. I think they did really well. I think, uh, you know, they didn't really, I didn't really see much technical difficulty. Shout out to Trey Wingo. Um, he kept rolling with the punches. Um, shout outs to everybody that was involved. But one thing that I did not appreciate, now it's a running joke now on social media, but one thing I didn't appreciate is when you... There are so many accolades that these college players have. Most, a lot of them won state championships. A lot of them had showed out in the, the combine. A lot of them probably had a great stat um, that just pertains to them. A lot of them could have broke records. A lot of them could have done a lot of things. Why is it that almost every single player you had to show us or you had to tell us about a traumatic experience? I get that they probably didn't mind that information getting out, but to me, I don't want that information out or attached to me while I'm getting drafted. Yeah, the people are close to me. If they know, they know, you know, what it is what it is. If I, if I come out and tell them it is what it is, but I don't want to be like Jalen Hunter, uh, wide receiver, Oregon, <laughs> broke all Pac-12 records in, 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 in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns led Oregon to the national championship uh, where he had one of the greatest, I don't know, one of the greatest, uh, I don't know, 25 touchdowns to 30 receptions, something like that. And then the last stat, mother, sister were homeless, starving, looking for food. Like, what? That... <laughs> That is what happened all night, or Jalen Hunter, wide receiver, Oregon. Jalen Hunter comes from, you know, is going to be one of the best wide receivers in the league, but that did not come without some struggle. And then they'll show a video of his mom suffered from smoking crack. I'm like, hold on, what? And that was all night. Again, I respect that you still did the draft with the virtual. I respect that the WNBA did it, and the WNBA didn't do that at all as in as terms of, like, attach sad and sob stories and stuff or or attach that information to their players you know the shouts out to the WNBA but ESPN you don't have to tell us about all this with every player you don't have to tell us you know oh they struggled this way they struggled that way like I don't need to know that you know what I'm saying so like Jesus Christ again shouts out to you guys for putting on the draft and hosting the draft all seven rounds were on ESPN shouts out to you know, the, the Wi-Fi companies and, and all the tech that was involved. But again, I don't need to, I, I, don't, I don't think it's right that you're attaching that, well, you're sharing that information during the biggest moment of my, or biggest moment in a lot of those players' lives. So I could just be tripping, I don't know, but that's, that's all I'm saying. Um, moving forward, we kind of talked about uh, 
Rob Gronkowski. That was kind of the first news of the of the week. Rob, Rob, Rob Gronkowski comes out of retirement and gets traded from the Patriots to the Bucks with Tom Brady. Now, of course, it wasn't a package deal, but he went with Tom Brady. Now, that makes the Bucks' uh, offense even scary. You have Tom Brady. You have Rob Gronkowski. Now, yeah, he did miss a year, but we'll see how that goes. You have O.J. Howard. We're going to see if they're going to do a two-tight end set or if O.J. Howard's going to leave. We don't know. You have uh, um, Mike Evans. You have the running back. You Their offense can p- potentially be scary. I think it's just... How 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 much left? How much does Tom Brady let, have left in the tank? If we get the Tom Brady that we saw last year, they're not doing much. Now again, a lot of people were saying it's because of the weapons that are around Tom Brady. Okay, okay, we'll see now. Because like I said, you have plenty of weapons now at your disposal. So <laughs> you're you're we'll see how it goes. And you know, that's another reason why I said that the Patriots lost the draft. It's like. There was so many, like, so many people that you could have got, but you, you didn't. Like, you needed a tight end at this point. You needed a wide receiver. You needed a quarterback. You got none. So, you know, shouts out to Gronk. Um, of course, we talked about the Trent Williams move from San Francisco. Shouts out to Trent. Shouts out to San Francisco. I think San Francisco made a lot of good moves in the draft as well, and they made a lot of good free agency moves. Yeah, you lose DeForest Buckner. You lose a couple of your defense players you lose Antonio um uh and no Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints but you get Trent Williams who is when healthy and when playing the best offensive tackle in the league so shouts out to him um Joe Staley he retires I think after 13 uh seasons you know I, I, I shouts out to him you know, the NFL isn't an easy sport, so the fact that you're an offensive lineman, I don't think he missed a snap, and he played for 13 seasons, you know, that's to be commended. So, shouts out to you, bro. Uh, Jameis Winston signs with the Saints. I think the Saints made a lot of good moves. Yeah, you lose Titty Bridgewater, but you sign um, Taysom Hill to a two-year deal. You sign, uh, you get Jameis Winston, who is, a, I think, at this moment in his career, will benefit incredibly sitting behind uh, a, a Drew Brees. You get um, Malcolm Jenkins back. You get Emmanuel Sanders. I think they had a pretty good, pretty good offseason. So, you know, I, I think that I think that this is the smartest. I, I know that they're saying that Jameis Winston turned down bigger offers, which I think is really smart that you will turn down those offers to play. Because you still have a lot of years. Left. I, I believe Jameis Winston still has a lot of years left. So the fact that you turn down those offers and still to, to play alongside one of the best quarterbacks the league has ever seen, I think that's smart. So the fact that you could take over the Saints, you could move on to bigger, better pastures, I don't know. But the fact that you're, you know, you're trying to get your game straight, I think the best thing to do is, you know, I, you know. I think the best thing to do might be to, to play alongside or play behind Drew Brees. So, shouts out to that. Um, Laramie Tunsil, he gets a three-year, $66 million extension, making him the highest-paid offensive lineman in the league. I don't know if I missed something, but even with Jeremy Tunsil there, Deshaun Watson still was under duress way too many times. So, 
maybe again I see the potential, but from what I saw last year, I don't I don't I don't know how. Now again, I understand that you're pretty much gearing up to have to pay Deshaun Watson. That's pretty much why DeAndre Hopkins is gone. But you know, and that's why I think they're trying to bolster the offensive line. But again, last year he was now yeah he was under duress less than he usually is, but. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see what, I don't know. Like, Laramie Tunsil to me is a good player and his potential is through the roof. But like, the highest paid offensive lineman, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, is there any other football? Uh, I don't think there's any other football. So we're going to move on. Just a little bit in the NBA. Uh, the NBA there's NBA teams just planning on opening 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 their facilities, I believe, March 1st. Because as we know, there's there's a couple of states that are reopening, you know, due to the corona. We've all been on lockdown. A lot of us still are in lockdown. But a lot of states are starting to reopen or planning on reopening. And alongside that, the NBA is going to probably do the same as far as their facilities. We'll just, again, we'll just have to see how it goes because... There are be there will be some teams that have a will be open, and there'll be other teams that still won't. Like for instance, I, I know the Washington Redskins. I know the Washington Wizards. Their facility probably won't be open, but the Atlanta Hawks probably will. Like I, I don't I don't know how it's going to go, but I do I don't I don't think that they want uh, teams having longer periods that they can train before they make a decision on if they want to re- restart the season or start back up the season or not. So, you know, that's just something to keep their eye on. And again, I hope everyone's still staying safe and this and the third. Um, shouts out to uh, uh, Moodith McGraw. Muffet. What? Muffet McGraw. She stepped down as Notre, Notre Dame's... Um, Head coach, she's the, she was the women's head coach for 33 years, and she brought two national championships. She is one of the most decorated and winningest coaches in W WNBA. What in the world? <laughs> in college, women's college basketball history. So, shouts out to again Muffet McGraw. And, and and the fact that she was able to leave on her own terms, you know that you don't see that a lot these days. So shouts out to her and shouts out to the Notre Dame um, Notre Dame program. So uh, um, Alex Carrera, we you know he was the ex manager of the Astros um, during the whole camera scandal, and he got suspended for the whole twenty twenty season. We kind of saw it coming. We knew that it was going to be something severe. He. Uh, also, he then took a job as the manager for the Red Sox, which they then fired him. And yeah, he. So what they're saying is, even whoever picks him up, um, they're you know <laughs> he's gone for 2020. So we kind of knew this was happening. Um, that's again, we I talked about that at nauseum. How I don't think that the the penalties were as fair as they should have been, and a lot of a lot of players. Not even players just in MLB, but a lot of players outside. You know, LeBron James spoke on it. There were some football players that spoke on it. They didn't think that the 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 
punishment was fair. They didn't think that the punishment was just. They felt that it should have been a little more severe, especially when the, this cheating directly led to a World Series champion. So, you know, that's that's pretty much, we were pretty much waiting on the, the last nail in the coffin, which was Alec uh, uh, Cora, I believe his last name is, Alex Cora. And we found out that he would be suspended. Uh, it will be suspended um, the whole 2020 season. So, yeah. And lastly, uh, Sunday, The Last Dance, episode three and four came on. Uh, and this, this, these episodes really showed the connection between the Bulls and Dennis Rodman and as well as Phil Jackson. It also showed the connection that Phil Jackson had with not only most of his players, but the unique connection he had with Dennis Rodman. A couple takeaways I got. I didn't know that Dennis Rodman, um, I thought Dennis Rodman just disappeared. I didn't know that Dennis Rodman, um, asked to go on a vacation. Now I knew, again, I knew about the whole Vegas stuff, but I did know that he asked. I thought he just dipped. So, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you what you want to do as a coach, you want to you want to connect with players where you can connect with them. You want to you want to go down to their level and connect with them face to face. And Phil Jackson knew that if I wanted to get the most out of uh, Dennis Rodman, if I wanted to get the most out of this player, out of this person, I have to connect with him. I know that he's not like Michael Jordan. I know that he's not like I don't know, Paxson. I know he's not like Pippen. I know that, um, you know, this, if, if I want to, if I want to, if I want to allow this, if I want this player to know that I really appreciate and I care about them, I'm going to connect with them. And the fact that he did that with Dennis Rodman, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I also thought it was, you know, a lot of people saw the 30 for 30 that Dennis Rodman had. And of course, it, it went a lot more in depth on his relationship with Chuck Daly his relationship with the with with basketball in general, and I thought that it was really good that this this um, documentary really just showed the, his relationship between him and the Bulls. And when I say the Bulls, I mean Phil Jackson, I mean Scottie Pippen when Scottie Pippen returned, um, and Michael Jordan. Uh, another thing I didn't know, I didn't know that maybe I, I guess I'm in the minority. I don't know, but I didn't know Phil Jackson coached in Puerto Rico. I believe. I thought that was really that was really cool to me. So, yeah. Another takeaway I, I did was you really saw the you really saw the growth in Michael Jordan's leadership. You know, Michael Jordan with and this is no disrespect to Doug Collins. Doug Collins was a great coach, but you saw he Michael Jordan needed to learn how to play with a team, needed to learn that, yeah, I'm the best player, but I need to find a better way to get my other players involved, to get people like Scotty involved. Get I need to be able to trust people like John Paxson. I need to be able to trust a lot more my teammates because even while while the offense is centered around me when it was with Doug Collins, the fact that it's centered around the team now, we're winning a lot more. And that's what we saw. We saw Michael Jordan said I was a, I was a Doug Collins guy because he was – putting the ball in my hands. Phil Jackson was taking it out of my hands and putting it into somebody else's hands. And he needs to learn from that. So it really showed the, um, you know, it showed the, 
the maturation of Michael Jordan. Um, I actually watched this with a friend of mine. Uh, I'm going to give this to y'all because it was kind of funny. <laughs> I actually watched it with a friend of mine, and we just we wanted to um, we just wanted to talk. We just talked about it. Uh, no, it, it was it was funny. Um, it was funny. It was a friend of mine, Brittany, uh, Brittany McCullough. She, I watched it with her, and just after, we we talked about it. So, and, and it was kind of funny how how it went. So here's here's it to you guys, Brittany. And we just finished uh, episode three and four of the Last Dance, and of course, these episodes focused on Scotty. No, focused on Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson. Before I get my takes, what are some things that you took from both episode three and four? There's a lot more to Dennis Rodman than what meets the eye. I think that, you know, in pop culture today, we see Dennis as like someone who's just crazy, but we saw a different side to him. Yeah, I think it was good. I I, I remember there was a, well, of course, we all know the 30 for 30 for Dennis and kind of delve deep. But this one really showed the connection that Dennis had with Phil Jackson. Yeah. And I know in the documentary that showed the connection Dennis had with Chuck, uh, Chuck Daly. And one thing that I do like that I, I, I took away from episode three and four is that episode one and two really showed how Michael Jordan, you know, came to be and how uh, Scottie Pippen came to be as far as terms of why they broke up. Oh, no, let me say as terms of money-wise, as terms of Scottie Pippen's relationship with, you know, Jerry, as far as his relationship with the media or, or the ownership. And I think that these two episodes really showed his relationship with Michael Jordan and, his, and how Scottie Pippen was better with Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan made Scottie Pippen better. I think episode one and two kind of showed Scottie Pippen's, I'll say, effect on Jordan. Do you feel that this episode really showed or, or really shined the light with Scottie Pippen? Yes and no. I feel like episode two, I want to say, focused more on Scottie. And this Episode three really showed how Dennis was the one who held the team together when Scotty was not there or when Scotty was hurt. Yeah, that is that is true. That is true. How do you feel about Dennis taking his uh, Las Vegas hiatus? I don't think that would happen today, but, you know, I think Phil did what he had to do to keep Dennis happy. Yeah, I think I always think like this wouldn't have flew in today's because you have stuff that they did would not go on in 2020 yeah you got social media you got stricter rules of course we all know the bad boy pistons how they were throwing people around left and right uh it it was it that wouldn't have happened today they weren't even fouling people yeah, that's they, like that's like beyond a flagrant too i don't know what you even call those fouls yeah so the end and, and like were abusing people they were abusing people and back in the day those they were, were told to by their coach that's what really is just mind-boggling to me yeah and, I, and 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 again, that wasn't a flu today. That and the thing is, like like you said, they weren't even fouls. They were just going out there mugging. But it hey, it, it worked for them. It for sure. it got them, you know, it got them two rings. Uh, one thing that I did like is they really personalized Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. 
we saw we all know Phil Jackson as the quote unquote Zen master. We know Phil Jackson as um, you know, one of the winningest coaches in NBA history. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, they kind of went back. They went back to the, a lot of people don't know Phil he Jackson the man. Yeah, a lot of people don't know he played for the Knicks and won two championships. A lot of people, including myself, I didn't know he went to uh I think he went to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico I believe, to coach. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And I think that it was good that they really dove deep and they showed the connection that Phil Jackson had with Dennis Rodman. I think Dennis Rodman's connection with Phil Jackson and with Michael Jordan really was the the catalyst of how they were successful with Dennis. Do you agree? I'd agree, aside from the fact of, you know, the elephant in the room. What's the elephant in the room? Jerry. Yeah, see, and 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 what what people, which makes sense. What people say is Jerry broke it up, and Jerry had definitely had a large part. But Jerry didn't make the final decisions. Jerry wasn't the Jerry was the GM. He wasn't the owner. If the owner wanted Phil Jackson, the, he Phil Jackson would have been there. If the owner wanted Michael Jordan and all them to stay, they would have been there. So, do you think that the owner is 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 kind of getting? Uh, <laughs> A pass for for all this stuff? I mean, the owner is ultimately in control, but they kind of empower the GM in all sports to make these decisions. And so the blame should lie with Jerry. Okay. I I mean, I do agree. I do agree. But I do think, like I said, the GM has a major part. I think if we're we're talking about sliced pie, I think that it's probably, I'll say. 70-30. GM seventy, owner thirty. I'll say in this situation, yes. Um, I do think that, however, the GM does have ultimately more power than, um, than the GM. But you know, the GM has more power than the GM. No, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately, the owner has more power than the GM because, of course, he's the owner over everything. But you know, it does it does make sense that Jerry. Did Jerry is getting a lot of the blame because Jerry is the one that we're seeing the most, and Jerry is the one. Jerry had a huge ego. Yes, and that ego definitely was one, if not the main reason for the for the split of the Bulls. And now, granted, they were getting old. They were getting old, but, but go ahead. They were getting old, but if you if you look at Jordan with the Bulls, I mean Jordan with the Wizards. While Jordan, of course, his heydays were behind him. And even if you look at Scottie Pippen when he went to the Rockets, I don't think that I, I think that they could have kept going. I look at the I look at the landscape of the league. Now, at least I think they at least could have won one more. Cause the year after they broke up, the Bull, the Spurs won. The Tim Duncan Spurs. I think that they could have beat the Tim Duncan Spurs. Now, do I think they could have beat the Kobe, Shaq, Lakers, probably not. But I do think they at least had one more in them. So I do think it is unfortunate to that, you know, all this broke up for nothing. and Well, not for nothing, for ego, pretty much. And I guess the last take I, I had on, on this episode was that Phil Jackson is like the GOAT at com- connecting with players. The man connected with Jordan. Because remember, Jordan said, I didn't like him. He was Phil's guy. I mean, he was uh, Doug Collins' guy. 
because Doug Collins was giving him the ball. But Phil found a way to connect with Jordan. I think there was a lesson in that. What is the lesson? No, remember how they said that Doug's role was to get Michael the ball. Yes. And what did Phil do? Phil cared more about the team. The team, yeah. And and I guess Michael liked that, you know. Phil Jackson connected with Michael. And you could see the growth in Michael in recognizing yeah. that Phil was actually the better coach. Yeah. And then you also saw, the con- like, like, like you just said, and like they said in the doc, Phil Jackson cared about the team. So you saw the growth in Scotty. You saw the growth in, I don't know, uh, Horace Grant. You saw the go- growth in John Paxson. You saw the growth in Dennis Rodman. And then if you really look at, you know, moving forward, of course, Kobe, his growth with Phil Jackson and Shaq's growth with Phil Jackson and just all these players, I think that Phil Jackson is just the GOAT at communicating. And it's funny because they were like, you know, when he was younger, he was fiery. He was arguing with the refs and this and the third. The the Bulls feel and definitely the feel that we saw in – for the Lakers, that is that is nothing like we saw, so I think that, that that's kind of that's kind of crazy, how the not not just the evolution of these Bulls and but the evolution of Phil as a coach, and how he's really uh, he's really a main cog. Yeah, you had great players like you know R.P. Kobe, Magic. I'm not Magic. Uh, Michael, um, Shaq, but if you don't change as a coach and evolve as a coach, you're gonna fall by the wayside so I think that that was an incredible thing that we saw too so yeah I think you know I think it was pretty good what are you looking forward to in episode 5 I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Team USA and the Dream Team I wonder if they're gonna are they the same well yeah Team USA Dream Team I know so okay but I really I think that I hope they get into I don't know if they will or not but I hope they really dive into why Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the dream team. Of course, a lot of people kind of know because him and Michael Jordan had their, you know, tiff. tiff differences. But I hope that they get into that in the dock. But I'm really excited to see, you know, some unseen footage of the dream team. I mean, that, that to me is really, I, I'm excited. What about you? Mm, I want to see what happens in episode six. I don't know what that's going to be about yet, but that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. I feel like the dream team is like, eh, we know about it. It's the dream team, though. Yeah. Okay. Well. I want to see them dive into the second three-peat. That's what I'm looking forward to hearing about and learning about. Well, the way that this keeps jumping back and forth, we haven't even seen the... Can, can we please talk about that for a moment? <laughs> I'm really annoyed at the lack of... What's Continuity? The yes. They keep going back and forth. And I get it, but like, no. <laughs> no. They got to stop doing that. I think it's. I don't dislike it, but it gets annoying. It at does. Times. It does. It throws you off, especially this last episode. It does yes. get get a little confusing, yes. as in like, wait, totally what? Agree. What? Is, wait, where are we at now? Oh, oh, because they were just talking about Rodman and how he connected with Phil, and then without, without a. Uh, okay, we're going back in time. The next. Cl- but they don't always show the little ticker. Yeah. Like this when up, they show yeah. the little ticker, the timeline, that's very helpful. Thank you, ESPN. But when you don't show it, like, F you, ESPN. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, and then you, you look up and, oh, Robin's back on the, the the Pistons. Okay. Okay. And then we see, you know, oh, we saw the whole whole episode of Scottie Pippen and Jerry Krause 
hate each other, and then you see them dancing. Let's so go just, back to 1991. I was like, like oh, yeah. Mm, weren't we just in 98? Like, come on, man. So while I don't have a problem with it, it is kind of like jarring. So Very much so. But I, I, I do agree with you. Okay. So... We're talking about the draft this, and I know that you're a Steelers fan, and of course this episode is about winners and losers. If you, I know that you're a Steelers fan, of course. How do you feel about the Steelers draft? It was mediocre. Why do you say it was mediocre? I don't know. I just know it was mediocre. Okay. Well, <laughs> one thing that we do know, however, is I'm happy that... I'm we got Chase Claypool, but I feel like we should have took a tackle earlier on. And I'm happy that we got two players from the University of Maryland. You went to University of Maryland, right? Correct. Okay, great. That's that's what's up. So I see the connection there. How do you feel? I remember we were talking and you said you guys should have got a quarterback and you were thinking about getting Jalen Hurts. I might not have thought of that, but how do you feel why? about why? Because you have Big Ben still. And Big you... Ben is about to retire. Big Ben should have retired two years ago. I am so tired of hearing people say, oh, yeah, Big Ben. No. Big Ben is old. He's been hurt how many times? Okay. Did he finish the season last year? No, he didn't. Exactly, my point. We need a quarterback. And I don't want to hear shit about... Oh, I shouldn't curse, huh? You want... You want... You have... I don't want to hear anything about those two little backup quarterbacks we have now. Because they're not... Mason they're not elite. Mason and the quack guy. They're not elite. The quack guy? You mean Duck Root? <laughs> the quack quack. Okay. So, since you're saying that they should get a quarterback, there was, I think, the biggest move. Or the biggest draft that we saw, or biggest, let's say, seismic move that we saw was the Packers. Mm-hmm. We uh, The Packers were about, well, they were a game within the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. And many people, including some of the Packers fans, felt that the only thing they needed were was... Some help for Aaron Rodgers. And what do they do? They get... A quarterback. A quarterback. How do you... So, you say... You know, y'all should have got a quarterback as far as the Steelers. Do you think you feel the same way about the Packers? No. Why? They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Aaron Rodgers has at least two to three years. They could have drafted a quarterback with their last pick, but their fir- wasn't it their first pick? That was their first pick. Their first, but you don't t- no. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking for a trade because they already planning to move on without you. They're not giving you no help. Who they want you to throw to yourself? They want you to throw the ball up and run down there and catch it too? Nah, they ain't trying to win. They ain't trying to win. And all this happened. Why are you laughing right now? All this happened after Mike McCarthy left. They're trying to screw Aaron Rodgers. They're trying to screw him. But it's okay, Aaron. I'm here for you. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't like Mike McCarthy, right? I'm aware. That's why he's gone. Okay. So. Same way with LeBron. Whoa, what do you mean, LeBron? (laughs) What do you. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Same thing as LeBron. Edit point right here. Okay. That's how he tried to get Ty Lue back. Remember? Oh, yeah. Ty Lue got fired. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I do remember that. There you have it. Uh, I, I thought that was a little funny. I just wanted to give it to you guys. It was, you know, it was, yeah. So... Again, I appreciate you guys. Uh, that is the end of this episode. Um, if you guys like what you heard, please share. Please subscribe. Please spread the word. I appreciate everyone that continues to come and continues to support, continues to listen, continues to share on social media. 
continues to send me stuff. If you have any questions or if you don't agree with something I said, leave it in the comments. We'll definitely talk about it. You know, I, uh, I have no problem talking. I have no problem communicating. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. This is my opinions. We'll talk, you know, boom with the boom. So, hey, uh, if you haven't, go over to my YouTube channel. While I do put the visuals every Wednesday, um, I'm starting to put a lot more videos uh, on my YouTube channel. Yeah, the podcast will still be the same. The podcast, however you listen to it, however you receive it, that will still stay the same. But I'm going to add a little bit more visuals to the visuals. So if you haven't gone to check out my YouTube channel, go check out the YouTube channel. Go subscribe to that. Again, you're going to get a lot more videos, not just sports. You're going to get music reviews. You're going to get shoe reviews. You're going to get uh, movie reviews. You're going to get food. You know, you're going to get stuff like that. It's not going to affect the podcast, but I'm just adding more stuff to the YouTube. So go check that out. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And until next time, much love. Get high.